0: Like I know you. Oh yeah, yeah. Your wife's a very comforting person. Yes. Very. Do you mind well if I talk to her for a second? This isn't playtime. This is serious business. well the play must go on. I I'm always home. I'm on I've been thinking a lot about dying lately. I'm trying to do good.
1: And welcome to another episode of That's That, a Philip Seymour Hoffman retrospective podcast. My name is Timothy Mark Davis, and I'm your host. I have been receiving so many messages that are like, Tim, when is the next episode coming out? What is going on? Where have you been? Literally, millions of dms oh my
2: god you're so and popular.
1: emails and facebook messages and tweets and, and 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 thousands of of clubhouse rooms dedicated to the outrage uh, of this show not being on the schedule and i just want to take a minute to say that i'm really sorry i know i know the uh the five million of you out there um I really look forward to these every every other week and i let you down um, and that's because I'm really effing busy and need to go down to one episode a month for the next few months. And that's the only excuse I have. So we're going to do one in February, which is this one. We're going to do one in March, um, one in April, and then we'll probably pick it back up once we get closer to summer. Cause I got some stuff going on, which I will share on this podcast for those of you who may be interested in my, um, Really, just busy. Career. I mean, Samantha is here today. She's going to test just how how important
2: you are. Yes, we all know. It's yeah, yep. forget it. Go ahead, say it.
1: So today okay. we are talking about when a man loves a woman. What a great transition! The 1994 romantic drama starring Meg Ryan and Andy Garcia, and of course featuring our young, sprightly, handsome. Philip Seymour Hoffman in two just adorable little scenes. I hope you took the time to watch the film on Amazon Prime uh, because, once again, they don't make movies like this anymore, really. Uh, And I think we'll get into that a little bit more. But just, you know, a salt-of-the-earth drama about two broken people trying so hard to love each other and themselves. It's just like, you don't see it as much anymore. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of dialogue. Nobody likes that anymore. They just want cool soundscapes and you know beautiful indie looking darlings being all sad I don't know what the hell is going on with movies anymore movies are dead it's the golden era of television I don't even know why I'm doing this podcast yes I do because I love Philip Seymour Hoffman and I owe it to him my guest today is fan favorite and my favorite Samantha Sweeting Davis how are you today Samantha
2: I'm fine today thank you Timothy how are you
1: I'm doing pretty well. Oh, good. So today we're talking about When a Man Loves a Woman, which features Philip Seymour Hoffman in his 13th feature film as Gary, one of Alice's, played by Meg Ryan's uh, AA buddies. Here is the logline from IMDb. The seemingly perfect relationship between a man and his wife is tested as a result of her alcoholism. Here's the logline from Amazon Prime. A married couple is on shaky ground due to a br- drinking problem. <laughs> oh, goodness. Samantha, thoughts on these log lines?
2: What are you getting at, Tim? Hmm?
1: Not a thing. I, th- I, this is how the show goes. I read two log lines and, and we briefly assess them.
2: Uh-huh. Are you getting at something?
1: No. Okay. What? F- no. Okay.
2: God. Um, great log lines. Stop. You're very distracting. <coughs> Sorry,
1: um, I made myself cough.
2: Oh, that's what you get. Super succinct. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like that really that that's the nail on the head. You know? Do you have a preference? Um, read the second one again.
1: Second one: A married couple is on shaky ground due to a drinking problem.
2: Read the first one again.
1: The seemingly perfect relationship between a man and his wife is tested as a result of her alcoholism.
2: I like the first one more, actually.
1: I do, too. Leaning into the alcoholism. Drinking problem? Come on. Get a grip. Boo. Boo. Stop trying to sanitize addiction, (laughs) you Amazon Prime. Beep.
2: Maybe. I don't know.
1: So let's jump into the factoid dump. This film was directed by Louis Mandoki, who I have no idea who that is, but he is known for Innocent Voices and Message in a Bottle. I haven't seen either of them, but Message in a Bottle is, uh, has an old Paul Newman in it, and we love old Paul Newman
2: Ooh, in this series. yes. House. Yum. Yes. Mm-hmm. What
1: a tall drink of water. Am I right?
2: <laughs> message in that bottle. Uh, message in a bottle. Right? hmm Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you. The film was written by Ronald Bass, who wrote Rain Man and Sleeping with the Enemy. No mm-hmm. big deal. Uh, and Al Franken of SNL fame and now a disgraced and resigned predatory Democratic senator.
2: Embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. Damn.
1: The film has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, if that matters to you. And Meg Ryan was nominated for a SAG Award for her performance, which i thought was superb me too yeah we'll get into that i'm sure i, I couldn't find the budget for this film but i'm guessing you know just a, a, as a as an expert budget assessor <laughs> i'm guessing in the 30 to 50 million dollar range uh it was in production from may 17th to august 8th of 1993 That's shot a throughout southern california it was long production process back in the golden era not really this is in the golden era but back back when you could sh- take a few months to shoot a movie now it's like 30 days unless you're Marvel the yeah. end yeah uh yeah throughout Southern California and San Francisco and a bit in Mexico as well because there's that that scene I was in, gonna
2: in Mexico. say did they fake Mexico but okay no, they got went
1: it. to Mexico yep uh, the film was released on April 29th 1994 and ultimately grossed around 50 million dollars at the box office. A few other notable facts, IMD, uh, IMDb trivia type stuff that I found interesting. This is Mae Whitman's movie debut. Um, and Mae Whitman is, what's her name?
2: Anne. That's so a classic. What's her name? That's two on the nose, Tim.
1: Oh, sorry. You can't help it. The movie was also based on 10 pages of notes written by Orson Welles, which I could not find. I searched the internet for like 30 minutes, which is a long time in internet search time. Did you look
2: on Pinterest?
1: These... No, I didn't.
2: I'm kidding. Is that? No.
1: Oh, <laughs> it would have come up on Google if it was yeah, on Pinterest. Definitely. Let's be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I've uh, picked up a recent fascination with Mr. Orson Welles and watched Citizen Kane for the first time a couple months ago, and I'm just kind of totally enamored by his theater making, radio programs, filmmaking. I'm just like, what the heck? This guy, for as far as I know, being kind of a crazy drunk, wow, pretty cool, pretty accomplished Um couldn't keep still like to have his hands in a lot of things uh, and I feel some synergy with that so I was looking for these notes could not find them if anybody knows about this you know 10 pages of notes by Orson Welles that I assume has to do with his alcoholism um, hit me up send it my way Samantha what are your overall thoughts feelings and impressions of when a man
2: loves a woman
1: of course, they started with that song. That was fun. Yeah. I mean,
2: it, it's like it would have been on everyone's mind anyway. Like let's you know. just let's yep. just come in in the in the first second. Good call. The opening scene. Let's but, get it out of yeah. the way. I thought that was fine. Um, I, I really loved this movie. What did you say in the beginning? You called it something, and you said they don't make films like oh, this anymore. Romantic
1: drama, but I was like, it's a, it's a salt of the earth.
2: Oh no, that's film. Not what I, meant. I think it's salt yeah. of the
1: earth drama about two broken people trying to love themselves and each other.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I this is still I understand it's not like super in vogue right now, but this is still like my favorite kind of movie. I just Ooh, like I elaborate. just like watching people's lives. <laughs> mm. I well, like like honestly, I, this I don't want this to be an affront to you. I like movies. I would rather read a book. <laughs> so, sometimes like these types of movies like it just feels like getting to know someone mm. and i really appreciate that i now listen don't get me wrong i love a good soundscape i really enjoy yeah. some indie darlings and some good coloring and sure. some gorgeous set design but we're all like, thinking about
1: moonlight we're all thinking it everyone loves moonlight come on and
2: and that yes moonlight is easily top 10 to 12 for me and but that also felt like getting to know someone you know Mm. so i just kind of like any of these like what is what is this is about study kind of yeah or like this is just about life like i don't i don't do action ever i've seen two marvel movies i can't that's fine now i will i'm a little inconsistent because because you the... watch some trash well yes a of all <laughs> so B of you, you all. can't
1: make the trash argument
2: <laughs> no i wasn't going to i was making purely the action argument but i was going to say mm. that i just like love lord of the rings and i mm. i used well, to that, yeah, i used to love star wars before they broke me a year and a half mm, ago but true. um yeah so i don't know but i do think that this is just kind of like my favorite type of thing to sit down and watch so i loved it i really loved it it We can talk about this more later, but it was definitely like um, the timing of this film was super crazy Yeah, Um, when it got put on my radar for this. And yeah, I don't know. I will definitely watch it again. I really Mm. liked it. I don't know.
1: I also really enjoyed it. And it is, yeah, it's weird thinking about going back and watching some of these random movies from from the 90s and just how different they are from today's quote-unquote random movies and, and maybe it's just like we're not seeing those movies because they're going they're on lifetime or they're on um, yeah but those
2: are so st- difficult to watch
1: yeah or they're like straight to Netflix you know it's just sort of like a B movie that a street you know they have their audience and it's not even getting on our radar but it's getting made and you know it's but see, even that feels different because I, I can I can visualize that type of movie in a contemporary sense, and and I promise you the writing is not as good. It's as not. This.
2: It's not. It's <laughs> not. I no. I was thinking it the whole time. The writing nor the acting. Like they're not going to pull. Yeah. The right team together or something. I know that sounds that sounds really dickish, but no. I think yeah. There's not. Like it wasn't pretty per se. It was mm-hmm. it was just so much of like people talking. I don't yes. know. Like there was no um no like look at how interesting this is to look at while we're you know, I don't know. Yeah, there was it like was nothing so nothing like interesting plain. with the camera,
1: nothing yeah. interesting with the lighting. It it was like it was slice of life definitely minimizes it. But but it was just like drama. Just like drama in the truest sense without any flourish, without any, you know, the, the, filmmaker, and maybe this gets into like the contemporary argument and maybe I'm about to like make, pull something out of my ass that is not true, but it kind of feels like a lot of, you know, the, the big movies are their own thing, right? It's like they're trying to make a billion dollars or, or they're trying to make half a half a billion dollars mm-hmm. um, and they have huge budgets and blah, 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 blah. That's its own thing. A lot of the smaller films, independent films, or studio-backed films that are, you know, dramas or uh, a little more experimental films that are happening now. It, it feels like a lot of times the filmmaker is really trying to make a statement or or say something.
2: Or yes. Get, yeah. And
1: I don't even mean politically, but maybe just stylistically. Yes. You know, it could be political, but it could also be stylistic. Like they're really trying to make their mark.
2: Yes, and, and I think that's what I was going to say earlier, but I yeah. kind of lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's like we must do something original at all times. Yes, and it's you can't like just was... tell a story exactly. And that's this just felt like a story.
1: Yeah, which made it refreshing for me.
2: Oh, it was lovely. I'm telling. You, I'm so like... sick of Inception and that. You know what I'm talking You know what I'm saying. I'm just like over it. God dang it! Oh, yeah. Someone just it's tell like... me a GD story. <laughs> gosh
1: no i I totally know what you're saying there's there's a fatigue there's a fatigue around the cleverness the stylisms the political statements you know it's like the the sci-fi where you have to crack it it's like
2: we're playing with time all the freaking time god show (laughs) me something linear i dare you (laughs)
1: We're obsessed with the end of the earth. We're obsessed with the extinction extinction of humankind. And, and yeah. you know, I I I love these. Listen, movies I and love these the
2: extinction of humanity. Love oh, that big idea. Big, big
1: fan. But yeah, bring it on.
2: But not always.
1: But we need a balance. Yeah. I think that's that's all I'm getting at. It's like yes, this felt fine. like a fresh movie, even though you know clearly there's things about it that are that are dated. Um, but it felt like a fresh movie because I don't see a movie like this anymore, where it's just like people. Like good writing, good dialogue, somehow like the stuff of real life, but the stakes are very high, uh, and you feel it with this relationship. And the, the story has an arc, and it finds resolution. It's just like there's some clarity to the storytelling. It's yeah, not being interrupted by the filmmakers' an alien or ideas or an outside force. <laughs>
2: just kidding. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, so I really I really appreciated that. And I and I really liked Meg Ryan in this.
2: Oh my god, she was incredible. I don't I, think yeah. I previously even appreciated her enough because I've seen like the classics like the when Harry met Sally and the which
1: I watched the, for the first time a few months ago and I thought it was amazing. It's
2: great. I watched like you know, I've seen the Tom Hanks series uh-huh. she did. <laughs> um and like Kate and Leopold and You know, when she was kind of, like, at the peak maybe, like, 20 years ago. Saw all of those, and it was just kind of, like, whatever. But this – and listen, there is definitely a place for a well-done rom-com, you know, like for sure When Harry Met Sally and et cetera. But this, like, really – I just didn't know what she had. She's got chops. (laughs) Yeah. She was awesome. She was so good.
1: And Andy Garcia, who – (laughs) like <laughs> it's like my only, my only like distinct memories of Andy Garcia are Ocean's Eleven.
2: I knew you were gonna say that, yeah.
1: <laughs> and and he's so good in that. Like he's sure. he's the perfect like foil to Clooney and the perfect casino owner. And like he he's just got such a uh. It's it, it's it's you know it, it's almost like his acting is based on um. Michael Corleone, Pacino in The Godfather. Just sure. Godfather One. Just like this utter stillness that is very disturbing and scary. Mm, yeah. But then in this film,
2: you just want to like, like ha- take a nap on him.
1: Yeah. He he has that like, oh, this he, he this is a serious person. You know, just the way he looks, the way his voice sounds, his his eyes, just like the shape of his face. Mm-hmm. This is a very serious person. But he plays the the tenderness the the paternalness with the daughters the like care the conflict you know i think w- when he's angry he does great at that because he sort of looks like someone who is on the verge of being angry all the time
2: sure uh, yeah. but i, I
1: was just really impressed with him in this as well
2: me too yeah he was lovely and i don't have so a look, big frame of reference for him
1: i don't good. either yeah i i I know. Well, actually, Godfather 3, I, I believe, is him.
2: I think I've still But I've never somehow. seen it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've still dodged that bullet. No, I've seen the first two, but it. not that one.
1: Yep. So what are your thoughts on the very brief Hoffman performance? Phil Seymour Hoffman plays Gary, one of uh, Meg Ryan's AA buddies. Uh, what stood out to you with this small performance?
2: I feel like I'm going to say this in every episode that I ever do of this podcast, but he's just so precious. I – you could like sense it was time for him you know like when you got to that scene you were kind of like he's gonna he is gonna pop up Yeah. second
1: let's no, listen I, to that scene right now okay
2: actually. go for it Hey, Hi. Gary this is Michael
0: I I feel like I know you oh yeah yeah your wife's a very comforting person. Yes. Very. Do you mind if I talk to her for a second? No. See. Just for a second. I'll just, yeah. second. Yeah. Uh,
1: So such a brief, brief, brief little scene there, but a lot going on, but keep going. What were you saying? Yeah.
2: So I feel like I have more to say about the the character he played actually than about um, him himself, but, yeah. you know, as usual, nailed it. Um, perfect visually he's kind of like a foil for um yeah. alfred molina like you know he's he's blonde he's fair. andy garcia good god <laughs> he's a foil for andy garcia because he's yeah, so sta- like it's oh, um, all staining yeah well i wouldn't believe you if you told me you'd cut it anyway i'm scarred so um yeah. So he's just like this different everything, you know, like he mm. he gets her. He understands this thing. He um, visually he's, is he's
1: blonde is
2: completely opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And you know what? They weren't really heavy handed with like the jealousy thing, I thought, at all. Like they just left like a lot of that tension mm-hmm. up for you to kind of filter through and decide. Yeah,
1: did you feel like he was a threat?
2: I never felt like he was an actual threat. I could tell that. What is Andy Garcia's character's name again?
1: Uh, is it Michael?
2: Yes, I could yes, tell that Michael. Michael was uncomfortable, especially right. because, like, so Gary walks in and Alice hasn't seen Michael in weeks, yeah. and he's like, "I need, I need her. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> She's can't comforting. To her. I, need, I need her just for, just
2: for a second. Yeah, you know. And then we we see we can't show it actual clip but we see a shot of them after that where like they're talking outside and her hands on his arm and like they've Mm -hmm. clearly formed like a connection and I think that's when we we can get into this more later too but that's when we see Michael start to realize like I don't know that I can provide you know what I mean like he just has doubts I think about like what what he can do for her um yeah
1: well that's his whole thing right it's like I, I, I I will fix it I will solve it tell me what to do and I'll do it exactly and like that is his what his character is pushing against this whole film and now there's someone you know like you said he's only first time he's seen his wife in weeks just seen her for a few minutes and already there's something that he can't provide that he can't you know, I think, I think there's like a, there's like an emasculating thing going on with him.
2: Oh, definitely. The film it's also them. like, even before she went to rehab because of her issues mm-hmm. and the kids, it was very much like, I'm the one that's needed. Yep. I'm important here. And then, you know, here he is for 10 minutes with his wife and it's like clear that like, she's adored. She's really well-respected. She's in high demand. People yep. rely heavily on her. Like,
1: Wait, that's my role.
2: Right. And so I think all of that combined just kind of made it sort of a tense thing. But no, I thought Philly C was um, perfect, you know, understated, left, left so much of it up to us, I think, Mm -hmm. to kind of parse through what was going on. um, If anything was going on outside of, you know, surface level stuff. So um, yeah,
1: Yeah, I, I loved that, that sort of there, there was like a kind of a sense of unknown, you know, like Depending on what lens you chose to see it through, mm-hmm. you know, if you chose to see it through a lens of like, oh, he's just an innocent guy. They're friends. Like, he really needs help. He looks up to her. He's he's younger than her. It's like a, it's like a little brother type of thing. You could see it that way. But yeah. then if you looked at it in a different way and was like, you know, I'm sure this started as friends, but clearly there's something romantic going on here. You know that Michael gets home in their other scene, and his legs are on the couch next to her.
2: Yeah. See, like, I didn't find it clear, and I yeah, I think a lot of it's up to like your headspace.
1: I didn't your, find it clear either, so I was yeah. like,
2: I truly, it's, it's it, really yeah.
1: interesting mm-hmm. that that a performance can can be calibrated like that.
2: Such a tiny um, performance, too.
1: Yeah, very tiny performance. And it's I loved it because his relationship to Meg Ryan's character is where there was like, what's going on here? I'm trying to figure this out. There was like, it was not clear. And that helped the story. It helped move the story along. It helped keep me engaged. It helped trying to make me figure it out.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
1: then the parts of his character that were clear was like just immediately. And it's, it's just the same thing with the with the Freddie Miles, talented Mr. Ripley, with the body language. You know, the, his physicality as an actor. Because you're right, like vocally, it's so understated, the whole performance But physically, you just feel the torment.
2: The meekness. The loneliness. Yeah, totally. The
1: dependency. Yes. Like that part of his character was completely clear. And like you combine that with the relational kind of question mark and someone's on screen for five minutes, but they're memorable.
2: Yeah. I have – yeah, you know, I have no context at all for like the acting process and experience, but it was clear – that he (laughs) took these two scenes seriously and developed, developed something that, yeah, like you said, was memorable, but also you're right. Like his physical presence. And because, especially because like, even if he's not being Freddie miles or Mm -hmm. a lot of his other characters, his voice still has a presence. That's very like, it's just like a unique tone and depth and like richness. And so like, to see him like work physically to combat that with his body Mm -hmm. language, I think was, yeah, that's cool to think about and look at.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got that, that kind of gravelly timbre, but then he's also, he's played all these characters that are do do not share the power of his voice.
2: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And he's making it work. Yeah. I mean like, like James Earl Jones, you know, imagine him trying to play, Someone lowly. It would not go well I,
1: it might be. That, that's yeah. a whole other level. That's where it's just like I know, but I'm just thinking of like someone whose whose who's voice yeah. is rich. Right. But yeah.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because it is do that. so much truth coming out it is, of it's just, this. The depth. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? I think I should share this tonight.
2: I... Are you can go to the meeting tonight. Hey! Honey, you remember Gary, right?
0: Sure. How's it going? <laughs> good. <laughs> it's a really good. How you doing? You got a great house. You really do. Sorry if I inconvenience
2: anything. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's not about you. Okay? I'm sorry. Right. Okay, You take care. Slow down. You're Thank right. you so much. Okay.
1: okay. All right. We're on three o'clock on freeze. Okay. Okay. Right. <sighs> this is what it is. I think he understands what it means to be an addict. And to live in shame, and oh, that hurt. that scene of him, quote unquote, getting caught, um, and then you know they're not even doing it; they're just sitting there talking, right? And again, we already said you can interpret that any way you want, but like Michael Andy Garcia's character walks away, and I, and I remember it's like burned in my memory, just like his body language I think he like does the does the does the fill like grab his head and becomes so uncomfortable and he just you can tell that he feels so bad but he's also trying to put up a front for his friend and I just remember thinking when I was watching it, I was like he he is ashamed and this actor knows he, he just knows what that means he knows what that means and
2: yeah that's so sad to think about
1: it's really sad to think about, and it's something that, honestly, because of the roles that Phil has played, it, we tend to circle back to not only his life, which was incredible in the roles that he gave us and the people who he inspired with his work and the lives that he changed because of his art, um, but also his death and yeah. his two-decade-plus two, two decade plus sobriety Um relapsing and ultimately killing him and I I think he you know when this film was made he'd probably been sober for a few years so um again that connection to the material that why why do a story why do a film and at the and again at this point in his career he's taken what he can get yeah but you can I can just sense the connection to the material in a really strong way in his performance
2: yeah that makes a lot of sense i see the shame piece that you're talking about for sure even though you can tell from context that they were only talking about um aa related stuff you know mm-hmm. they're talking about like yep. what they're going to share at meeting and when they're going yep. but but yeah that's definitely i think that's present yeah good point
1: i want to play this clip of phil on on 60 minutes talking about um his uh, addiction
0: you don't drink. No, I don't. In fact, you went into rehab at a fairly early age. <laughs> Sorry about uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I did. I did. I went, uh, I got sober uh, when I was 22 years old. Yeah. So this was drugs or alcohol or both? Uh, Yes, all all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it was anything I could get my hands up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked it all. Yeah. And why did you s- decide to stop? You get panicked. You get panicked. It was. Um, I was 22, and I got panicked for my life. It really was. It was just that. You know, I don't want to sound too dramatic, and I don't want to make more out of it than it was. But I definitely was. Whatever I was doing made me worry uh, if I was going to be able to do the things I wanted to do with my life. And um, I was putting myself in situations and predicaments that were dangerous. Even now, I think about it. I was so young. I was 22 at the time. But I do remember thinking, there's things I want to do. You know, there's things I want to do. And I'm not going to do them if I keep doing this. It's not going to happen.
1: You watch that clip, and it's just like a 90-second clip on YouTube. But you you can see... I can't quite figure out. He's he's certainly creating some distance. He's he's laughing it off. There's a moment when the guy asks him, and there's almost like a "How did how did you know about that? Who told you?" And then Ooh. he kind of laughs. Um. And you feel this sense of like he's been sober for a long time. Um. He, he's uh, he's past that part of his life, you know, because of the panic, because of this experience of feeling like he was going to ruin, ruin his life. Um, But I definitely do want to jump in to what you alluded to earlier, (laughs) the timing of this film, the the weirdness around this film. Just like, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah. So I am, so you were like, I'm going to tap you for this film, you know? And I was like, okay, great. What's it about? And you're like, I don't know. She's got mental illness or something. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Love that. Um, <clears throat> and then...
1: Because yeah, I, I had no idea.
2: <laughs> yeah. So fast forward like a, a week or two, New Year's Eve happens. And I don't know how open you want me to be, Tim. I don't have to. I can be vague or...
1: I, I You be as open as you feel comfortable being. Okay. You know, so
2: no... I, on New Year's Eve, ha- had blacked out for like the... <clears throat> I don't know, seventh time in three months or whatever. And New Year's Day, I was like, that is it. Like, I have to think about why I'm I'm consuming this much alcohol every time I do consume alcohol and, and I need a break. So I had a really hard New Year's Day. Um, I I talked through several plans. I was like, maybe it's that I only drink once a month. Maybe it's that Um, I give it up for Lent this year. And then I just got to a point by like 4 p.m. that day where I was like, I need to take a year off at least from alcohol. Like I just have to, something's not right. And I want to be clear and careful and say that I wasn't drinking every day by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't blacking out every time I did drink. Um, But it happened way more than I was comfortable with. And I know that if I dared to go to like an AA meeting and say like, hi, I'm Samantha and I'm an alcoholic. And I explained this, I'd probably be laughed out of there. But it got to a point where for me, I was like, I don't like this. I don't remember how I go to bed every night i was having conversations and interactions and all kinds of things with with no memory of it and i know that's very par for the course and any true alcoholic was would probably be like yeah try doing that for seven years sister you know but um it started to really freak me out and and concern me and i figured why not address it at least somewhat now instead of getting to the point where i'm having a bottle of wine every night and um more and dealing with it that way so anyway a week later you were like okay time to watch that movie chop chop and i and i still hadn't watched it (laughs) right so i put it on and it is a goddamn high school counselor with a drinking problem and i was like tim you are the cruelest person on this planet how dare you kick me when i'm down i'm a high school counselor with a drinking problem all right i don't want I- how dare you i felt tricked shanghaied bamboozled hoodwinked. i was like if you have something to say just say it like i'm working on it okay i don't need like relax you know
1: and I'm like, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> you were like, I thought she was ill. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's <laughs> ill. All right. Anyway, that was something. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there were a lot of points in the film where and I don't cry in in films often. I can think of a few at the top of my head that like really get to me. But this one, there were a few scenes that really tore me up. And so just just like seeing what this c- could be like if I don't. Like take stock of how I'm behaving and and how susceptible I am with alcohol. Now, it scared me. It scared me real good. Um, And so the timing was really interesting for me because I had just I had just embarked on. I was like, I'm just going to do a full year of sobriety. I don't know if it'll end up being a lifelong thing. You know, come next January, I might try again and see what happens but for me alcohol is like i know you mentioned aaron sorkin later so i'm just going to reference the west ring really quickly like when Mm. um leo when leo says to paris from gilmore girls i don't remember her name in the west ring i think she's only in like (laughs) one or two episodes when he was like you can have a drink I can't have just one drink. Like if I'm yeah. going to, you know, and that's me. That's, you know, when I my first. problem is I don't
1: want to drink. Exactly. I want 10 drinks. Exactly. And is. that,
2: when I heard that quote in that episode, like three years ago, even then I was like, oh shit. Because that's my, I don't understand. It makes no sense to me that someone would go somewhere and have one drink. I don't understand why someone would have a beer or one glass of wine with dinner. I don't understand why sure. you would ever drink without getting drunk. Um, And so. Or at
1: least buzzed
2: for you maybe i want to be sloshed so i um you know i i started freaking myself out and um it made me really uncomfortable how much i i could not remember and like who knows what i was saying to people and i think the the climax for me was (laughs) waking up on new year's day to like texts from our friends that were like is your butt okay and i was like what's everyone talking about And I, like, looked down at my sweatpants, and they were singed because I, like, fell on our fire pit (laughs) while I was drunk (laughs) and had no memory of it. So, like, my butt's, like, a tiny bit burnt. My My pants, which I loved so much, have, like, fire pit grill grate marks on them. And I was just like, okay, I've been making an ass of myself this i think that okay i'm not even going to blame it on the pandemic mm-hmm. but i will say i have never drank as much in my life as i did last year and then mm-hmm. starting in maybe in like october i started blacking out pretty regularly so yeah it was just scary um so i found a lot of comfort in a way in the in the film mm. both both in the oh thank god i'm not that bad and also in the <sighs> like oh look like anyone this is a thing people can do like you can yeah. You can quit this, I guess. Yep. So, and alcoholism, I'll, I'll shut up soon, I promise. But I do think alcoholism and sobriety are a spectrum for people. I don't think there's ever a singular point yeah. where you can, like, measure when someone has an alcohol problem. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a very personal thing. Someone, you, for instance, can put down a pack of seltzers every weekend, and I'm not concerned about you at all. <laughs> Um, myself, however, that's, that's disastrous. Yeah. So, um, same thing with sobriety. Like maybe we'll go to some, maybe we'll all be vaccinated in nine months and we'll have one big party and I might have a glass of champagne. I don't think Mm. that means I'm not sober. I'm not doing the whole AA thing. I have... if you want to do a sobriety podcast, I would love to talk about that. I'll shut up soon. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts no. on all of these things because I've spent the last, like, 40 days just, like, delved into this world. But anyway.
1: Yeah, you've been reading reading memoirs and books All kinds and- of
2: stuff, yeah. So this is just, like, my new little research project, I guess. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's where I was at when I saw the film. And so I was like, holy God, what? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, for, I mean, first thing that I want to say is thank you for being so honest on this Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. To your five which is million like, listeners. It doesn't I know. to my five million listeners. It it's like it doesn't feel. Th- this happens every episode where you, we just start to get into the stuff, and part of it's like it's a movie podcast. What you know, it doesn't feel right to get into this, but then you're like, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> like this issue specifically of course but just the body of his work he's a very serious artist wrestling with the deepest struggles of of humanity um and so i just want to say thank you for being this honest and this candid oh sure so then my follow up to your candor um because it's it's so interesting. It's like my impulse, you're sharing these things, and my impulse is to be like, don't share that. Hide that.
2: I know. Don't tell people that.
1: <laughs> you know, I am someone who just like, I am a hider. I am a, you know, if if the lie is the easy move, I'll make it to avoid offending or blowing things up. So my my next question, you know, as a follow up to thank you for your honesty is why are you being so honest?
2: Um, I think the easy answer is just for like an extra layer of accountability in a way. Like, you know, the more people who know that Mm -hmm. I'm working on spending my weekends for the first time in years, alcohol free, um, the better. And I think I am now really passionate about the whole, like, um, if it's, if it's a problem for you, then it's a problem. No one else has to define that for you in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Like, by all means, do you. Make make your life experience yours. Like, find your own satisfaction and, and happiness and contentment. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I guess for encouragement's sake, I guess because I feel like I have nothing to lose. Um, I'm really happy with how it's going so far. You know, summer, We we have people over in our backyard all the time and um yeah we had like a birthday brunch and almost everyone was getting pretty pretty buzzed and i said to summer i came inside to get water or something and i said to summer like are you happy i'm not drinking and she was like i'm so happy you're not drinking and i was just like oh so um Mm. so yeah if like she she's the the last remaining piece of shame, I guess. So I don't really care who knows what about me, but if she's like mm. proud of me in a way and um, has like experienced drunk mommy, <laughs> then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm willing to talk about it. I don't know. I don't think I have a great answer for that, but.
1: I mean, uh, I don't know. Everything you just said to me is just summed up by courage, so.
2: That's sweet of you.
1: And, and I think other people will, resonate with what you're saying and i don't know feel like a burden lifted that someone is being so um honest about it because cause i do think we we also just our 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 background and upbringing just reward it rewarded being good yes and so often being good means not telling what is bad about you
2: yes <laughs> So it's like
1: to, to, to openly share what is bad about you, you know, and and it's one thing with a close friend. It's one thing at a AA meeting. Uh, It's another thing on a podcast with 5 million listeners.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I just,
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed by your courage.
2: Um, Thank you. I do think that's a huge part of it too, is I, um, yeah, growing up with like, like not just be good, but, like, make sure everyone else thinks you're good, too. Mm-hmm. And don't, em- like, you know, with my parents, bless them. Don't embarrass me. Don't make me look bad. Blah, blah, blah. So here I am saying, oh, by the way, I screwed that up. I made myself and my family look bad. So. Um, <laughs> and look, here sure. we all are. We're fine. And here we are. <laughs> We're fine.
1: We're fine. Um, what did you think of the ending of the film?
2: I okay so what I will say about this being like my favorite type of film I still love an incomplete ending (laughs) like Mm, it was a little neat
1: it was a little neat it was a little
2: neat I mean it was also very touch and go for a long time you know there's like there's he's leaving she's leaving it's not working they're screwed up permanently um that whole drama but but again I don't know I think it was just like a a testament to love and and wanting to uh, grow with a person and and adapt to you know the next version of yeah yourself and and the other person and I don't know you know I that think ran, it,
1: that rang true to me even though it was neat it, it was yeah the, it was
2: neat but it was like a you little, have to evolve yes together. Yeah, yeah yeah so we're evolving or you
1: have we're, to be a part
2: <laughs> right yeah and it won't always be that neat you know by any means right. but. Um, and maybe for them it, it worked and maybe it may be, you know, maybe it didn't. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was just kind of like a, a nice selfless, um, okay, I'm going to stretch if you can stretch too kind of thing. So
1: do you have any, and we talked about this the other day, um, I'm reading this, uh, Brene Brown book right now and she talks about. You know, she's been sober for 20 years, but was also in that kind of like didn't really belong in an AA meeting, but didn't not belong in an AA meeting. It was just sort of like using various substances and vices to take the edge off uh-huh. and kind of an addictive, uh, lifestyle. Um, I'm curious, you know, what would be your advice or resource or, um, Direction to point people because I feel like it's I I feel like we have kind of grown up with you're either an addict or you're not an addict yeah and like that's sort of the language and it's not that's even that handed yeah. us
2: and then once you and it doesn't yes. seem like that's true <laughs> it's true that's very true and then as, once you've maybe deemed yourself an addict the only option is is AA. Like that's right. what that's doctors have to attend one. Therapists have to, everyone, their only yeah. frame of reference for recovery is AA. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think I, to me is, and this is what it was for me. If you even mm-hmm. start to have a question, if you have something to be evangelical, if you have a check in your spirit, <laughs> um, that, that might be something to pay attention to and listen to and and think about and um i
1: yeah
2: i also knew i also knew i was gearing up towards a problem when like in september mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember but, but i start i was like i was like this is what we're going to do food wise and i started like this 12 week like we're meal prepping we're going hard i like mm-hmm. did a lot of um research i like talked with a girl that i that went to our high school and she had a conversation maybe like week 11 that was like about alcohol and i listened to her on a podcast with like a And the thing is like, none of this is new for me. I have clinical depression and anxiety. I know I shouldn't be drinking. I know it doesn't mix well with my Zoloft. None of this is new. But on the podcast Mm. and like in her little like quote unquote class, she talked about like limiting alcohol and and, like the effects on the brain. And I I felt myself get pissed. Like I was like, I don't want to hear it. I love (sighs) drinking. Everyone likes me when I'm drinking. It was, I didn't even tell you this. thing. I was just like, I'm going to ignore this part completely. I don't, and that's, and so that was another sign for me. Like I took, I was able somehow miraculously to take a step back and be like, Samantha, like you are really holding this tightly. Uh, Like, is it really that fun? So I, I just think if you have any sort of hesitance about where you're at, um Mm -hmm. tell tell someone (laughs) tell me if you don't have anyone else to tell and i you know i love talking about personal like i said i love knowing people and stories and i I love talking about my own personal shit too so i don't know tell someone think about it if you're a white male then i say hell yeah go to aa it was designed by you and for you (laughs) if you are anyone else or have any other like intersectionality maybe you're a white male but you're uh gay or maybe you're you male passing but you're not cis don't you don't maybe don't go i think Hmm. again i have lots of thoughts about aa now um yeah and i don't think it's the move for everyone at all um but there are there are other lesser known options that you can dig and root around for lots of books lots of people there's so many i just feel like it's one of those things like when i was pregnant i felt like i saw pregnant people and babies everywhere now that i'm quote unquote sober i see sober people everywhere mm-hmm. or like i'm finding more and more sober people and yeah. so there's it's like arrested development there are dozens of us so i don't know <laughs> um like find yeah. find someone to t- to tell that you're kind of yeah. thinking that way or i don't know. I know I'm not making any sense.
1: No, it's but... good, and I, I'm, I'll put some. You can send me some like links, book links, article links, Instagram stuff. And I'll oh put yeah, it yeah, yeah. Show notes. Oh yeah, Instagram. So believe have, like, it or not, little...
2: you know I. You know, screw yeah. Instagram. It's become this whole other thing. But I haven't even like delved in whatsoever. But the sober community is thriving on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so yeah. many like hashtags and really great accounts to follow if that's your thing. Yeah. So. There's yeah, something, so we'll put some of that yeah. stuff
1: in the show notes okay. if people want to check it out. And we'll put your info in the show notes if people want to DM you or email you or whatever.
2: <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. I feel like I completely took over this episode and we barely talked no, about that the, movie, was the but...
1: that was the point. That
2: okay. The point.
1: I do want to close, though, with uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote a little tribute, a, a remembrance, uh, a few days after Philip Seymour Hoffman died um, in in Time Magazine. So I wanted to close with reading that really quick. Phil Hoffman and I had two things in common. We were both fathers of young children and we were both recovering drug addicts. Of course, I'd known Phil's work for a long time, since his remarkably perfect film debut as a privileged, cowardly prep school kid in Son of a Woman. But I'd never met him until the first table read for Charlie Wilson's War, in which he'd been cast as Gust Avocados, a working-class CIA agent who'd fallen out of favor with his Ivy League colleagues a 180-degree turn. On breaks during rehearsals, we would sometimes slip outside our soundstage on the Paramount lot and get to swapping stories. It's not unusual to have these mini AA meetings. People like us are the only ones to whom tales of insanity don't sound insane. Yeah, I used to do that. I told him I felt lucky because I'm squeamish and can't handle needles. He told me to stay squeamish, and he said this, one of us dies of an overdose, probably 10 people who were about to won't. He meant that our deaths would make news and maybe scare someone clean. So it's in that spirit that I'd like to say this. Phil Hoffman, this kind, decent, magnificent, thunderous actor who was never outwardly right for any role, but who completely dominated the real estate upon which every one of his characters walked, did not die from an overdose of heroin. He died from heroin. We should stop implying that if he'd just taken the proper amount, then everything would have been fine. He didn't die because he was partying too hard or because he was depressed. He died because he was an addict on a day of the week with a Y in it. He'll have his well-earned legacy, his Willie Loman that belongs on the same shelf with Lee J. Cobbs and Dustin Hoffman's, his Jamie Tyrone, his Truman Capote, and his Academy Award. Let's add to that ten people who are about to die who won't now. Thank you for listening to That's That. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Again, we're going to once a month for the next few months while I work on some uh, pretty big projects with uh, New City Players, the theater company that I uh, run down here in South Florida. Uh, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. It'll help get the podcast out there to more Hoffman lovers. We'll see you next time, appropriately, I think, with an in-depth look into the 2007 biography, comedy, drama, Charlie Wilson's War, starring Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, and Philip Seymour Hoffman in an Academy Award-nominated performance containing one of my favorite scenes of all time, a scene that I watch every month just for inspiration. The IMDb logline for the film is as follows. A drama based on Texas Congressman Charlie Wilson's covert dealings in Afghanistan, where his efforts to assist rebels in their war with the Soviets have some unforeseen and long reaching effects. The film can be seen on Amazon Prime. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. My guest will be friend, ethicist, and fellow Gustav Rikados enthusiast, Ryan Huber. Oh, fun. Yes. Yes. I can't wait. (laughs) I cannot wait. Uh, That's That is sponsored by One County Film, an independent film company telling stories with authentic characters and unique settings. You can rent our debut feature film, Palace, on Amazon right now, uh, which let me just throw out there about Palace. That film is aging very well. Uh, I think that film is actually going to find an audience past the time that it was made. Uh, You can also check out our blog and our YouTube channel where we've got stuff about filmmaking and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and follow us on Instagram, where we're posting filmmaker quotes and uh, updates on this show and whatnot also. That's That is produced by me, Timothy Mark Davis, and edited by Ryan Arnst. Our show music was composed and edited by Jessica Ray Huber. And our graphic was designed by Drew Hannigan. You can connect with One County Film on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at One County Film. You can connect with me on Twitter at TimothyMarkDav, Mark Dav, Timothy Mark Dav, and Instagram at Timothy Mark Davis. Samantha, we will put your stuff in the show notes. Where can you be found online if you'd like to be found? And what can people expect from you online?
2: <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Um, We got a dog. Lots of dog pigs lately. True. We (laughs) Um, did get a dog. Yeah. So my Instagram handle is Samantha Sweeting Davis. Twitter, I always have to double check. Yeah. It's at underscore Samantha underscore sweet. Um, Twitter, I I don't find me there. Actually, you won't like it. You won't like (laughs) what you see one bit. So that's my warning. That's
1: where everyone's going to go now. That's great. Well, thank you again for your... Honesty and candor, and I'm very proud of you, and I love you so much.
2: Oh, thank you. Appreciate okay, but it. But
1: before we leave.
2: That's that, Mattress Man. I.
1: Really taking the wind out of my sails.
2: That's what I'm here for. <laughs> God damn it. That's that, Mattress Man. That's that. Mattress. I can do. You tell me how to do it. I can. Okay. You know what? Give your whole. Before you leave, I have everyone say the famous Adam Sandler. That's that. Am I, am I doing it? <laughs> I kill myself.
1: That's that. Everybody. <laughs>